it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Today, I'm joined by Washington kick returner DeAndre Carter as we go over his journey and why Sunday was a special day for him. He was an undrafted free agent in 2015, who did not make an active roster until 2018, and who is with his eighth organization. I don't think he's done with big plays as a returner either, and maybe even from scrimmage, as we might see on Sunday. And I'm also joined by ESPN Saints reporter Mike Triplett, who also does fantasy football work for us. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Triplett, T-R-I-P-L-E-T-T. And you can read both our work on ESPN.com as you get ready for the game. I have a story up now on the defense again struggling. But some there think they're close, and I show a couple examples why. Before I play my conversations, here's my little prediction. I don't like Washington this week. Actually, I thought I was going going to like them because I do think the defense at some point will play better. Not because they're not simply because they're due, but because I do think they're better than what they've shown. I spoke to a front office member of another team this week, and he went through their defensive lineup and said it's about as good as other top defenses in terms of talent. This person did not think Washington had a blue chip player yet, but a lot of really good ones. Certainly enough to be better than what they've shown. And it's not just about facing better quarterbacks so far this season. It's about failing to do basic things. By the way, this person considered a guy like Devin White from Tampa Bay, the linebacker, as a blue chip player. He didn't think anybody here yet rose to that level, but he did think guys like Chase Young and that whole defensive front are all right the level below. And it was hard to match that throughout. Anyway, it's again about failing to do basic things. For example, on a second and five on Atlanta's first drive last week, the Falcons go to an empty set. That alerts the defense to a three-step drop coming. The linebackers are taught when the quarterback turns to a side, you go. Matt Ryan did that, but rather than go, Cole Holcomb hesitated. And this isn't a pick on Holcomb, it's just an example of what's going on because it's not just him. The ball went to his area and a first down was made, gained. It's a small play, but those small plays add up, and here's why. Because if Holcomb breaks on that ball, and then the guy's covered, so he's got to go to his number two read. Well, if he throws the number two read, Landon Collins is breaking up on an in-breaking route to the outside, and if Matt Ryan throws there, there's a chance that Collins would pick it off and certainly break it up. If Ryan doesn't throw there and he goes to his third read, chances are he gets sacked. That's a trickle-down effect, and it all started with Holcomb hesitating. And it really it had nothing to do with playing a good quarterback and everything to do with playing your assignment. That's what they're talking about. On the previous play, on the first play of the game, Holcomb hesitated. There was a double team on, I think it was John Allen. There was a huge hole for gap for a big gap for um, Holcomb to run through, and he could have made a tackle for a loss. He hesitated, stayed back. The back cuts to the other way, gets five yards. Again, those plays add up. The problem is, if they're not making those plays, it's not that they're close, it's that they're in the right spots or being 
they know what they're seeing, but they're not trusting what they're seeing. When they start trusting what they're seeing and going, that's when they become a better defense. There are other things going on. Corner William Jackson is still not comfortable in zone, and you can tell it just because he takes a deeper drop in zone than compared to, let's say, Kendall Fuller on the other side. Usually it's a couple yards deeper than what Fuller would do, and again, that tells me and it tells them he's still getting a comfort level in there, and he's still learning how to play in that, not just with his vision, but with his feet. In press man, the corners don't always look like maybe they're as, again, comfortable. That's the word. Jackson would prefer to use his hands. He told us that on Thursday for a jam. They don't really want him to, to do that. If you notice, the corners don't always jam. They want them to focus on more on their feet. At times, I see Kendall Fuller a little bit off balance and therefore doesn't drive on the ball as well. Look at the slants like we, last week for an example of that. When Fuller or Jackson are playing with more patient feet and with balance, they drive much better. It doesn't always happen right now. I think that's part of the learning curve as they're playing more male. Remember last year, this team was heavy zone. Um, so Fuller is adapting to the, the more man while Jackson is adapting to playing more zone than he did in Cincinnati. All those little things are adding up to bigger issues. I do think they're better than this and I can definitely see them winning this game. Jameis Winston is probably the worst of the five quarterbacks they've faced so far. And he does hold the ball, and that's, I think he can, he's capable of big plays, but of the group they faced, this would be, he would probably be fifth. He does hold the ball a long time. It's the second longest in the NFL. He is hard to sack, though, only seven times. But I liked how the defensive line worked some stunts last week. It was a better showing. However, I'm concerned about the linebacker matchup against Alvin Kamara, and I'm concerned about the coverage breakdowns down the field with Winston having a big arm. He will test them on occasion. I don't think their third down defense will continue to be this bad. It can't, <laughs> can it? It would be historically bad for them. And they haven't come close to being this bad, 59.7% in the last 20 plus years. My other worry is knowing who will play for Washington's offense. Curtis Samuel did not practice Wednesday or Thursday after playing for the first time this season. He's, I would say he's gonna be questionable. That's my strong guess. And I think this will probably go into Sunday. Deami Brown and Cam Sims weren't even on the field this week. At least Samuel was out there Thursday doing some stretching and then some work on a side field. So check back on ESPN.com or my Twitter feed for updates on Samuel's status on Friday afternoon and throughout the weekend. We already know tight end Logan Thomas is out. I think I like what I've seen from Ricky Seals-Jones, but they're going to need more from John Bates, and then they're going to have to get something from Samus Reyes. They like Reyes as a blocker. We'll see how these, this group does. New Orleans has an excellent defense, so I'm wondering if Washington will have enough to really challenge them. That's why I have New Orleans winning 24-20. to I don't have great confidence level in that pick, so take solace in that. We'll see. That's it for me. After this break, I'll be back with Washington returner DeAndre Carter. He shares why Sunday was a special day for him and what has helped him stay motivated throughout his football journey. Welcome back. Now here's my conversation with DeAndre Carter. What did it mean to you to get that special teams player of the week? That's for a guy who's had to travel your road. I would imagine it's pretty special. Yeah, it was special. You know, exciting for me. From you know, for my family back home, uh, it's a blessing. You know, I, you know, I've been through, you know, a lot of ups and downs throughout my career. Um, it's just a blessing from God. You know, I stayed with it, and you know, yeah, He blessed me with that. And then, you know, testament to the other ten guys. You know, on the KOR unit. 
everybody did their jobs and it you know it all came together and it was you know a pretty special play for us the blocking was really good on yeah. that play i mean you could see that in some of the clips you had 10 guys they mm -hmm. basically hat on hat definition right. of hat on hat but you still got to do it so when you when you have a moment like that and the road you've traveled and you win this award how much do you reflect on where you had to come from to get that play? uh like during the game you don't really think about it maybe a little bit afterwards you know you think about it for a little while um you know, it's, it's, it's been rough. You know, I've been been around the league for a little bit, team to team, getting cut. Um, so you reflect on you reflect on it a little bit. Um, you know, but now we're trying to get ready for New Orleans. Sure, but like, it is it's still cool. You're still allowed to take that minute <laughs> yeah. when you're driving home, thinking like, you know, six seven years ago, I'm just trying to get a job. Right. So how, why why do you think you've been able to keep persevering and put yourself in this position now? Uh, I just I just work hard, man. You know, even you know I get cut. Um, you know I try to you know I stay on it. You know keep pursuing the dream. Um, I made my my little brother a promise. He passed away in my junior year of college. I made him a promise that I was gonna make it in this league. You know for him, uh, for both of us, it was both of our dreams. Um, so it pushes me every day. You know even through the ups, you know through the downs, through getting cut. Um, just kind of stay with it, and then you know just kind of trust in God. You know what I mean. Uh, he puts you through different situations, and 100% uh, of the time, man, he's trying, he's preparing you for the next step, for what your what your real purpose is. Um, so I just gotta trust him and, and just keep rolling. So, how often would you think of your brother when you're going through those tough times? How often would you think of him, and how much did that motivate you to keep going? Uh, every day, you know, especially, you know, I had a period. I was out of the league for a whole year, right. substitute teaching, you know, and it gets difficult to get up on a daily basis and work out when it, it kind of seems like you're working out for nothing. Um, but you got to have a you got to have a, a why, you know, to you know, to why you're doing what you're doing and your why has got to be bigger than yourself. Um, and so I use that to push me, you know, through those tough times. And I think about it every day. Where were you substitute teaching? Uh, Martin Luther King Middle School in Hayward, California. So what was that like? Because like, I mean, do, do kids know that you had been trying to get in the NFL? So yeah. what was that experience like? for you? Yeah. So it was after my rookie year. So my rookie year, I was on practice squad and, you know, on a couple of practice squads. So the kids knew. Um, you know, but for me, that experience, that whole experience was was great for me, a valuable experience. Um, taught me patience, you know, dealing with junior high kids, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, but the gratitude, you know, a lot of in that area, you know, a lot of those kids are struggling, um, you know, financially, you know, with things at home. Um, so, you know, being able to be somebody that they can come and talk to about the, you know, the troubles that they've been through or going through at home or, you know, during school, you know, middle school stuff. Um, being somebody that they felt comfortable to, to come talk to, um, you know, I took great responsibility in that. Um, but the, the whole process, you know, it was great. You know, was, I love those kids, you know, the school. Um, and I, you know, I went traded for the world. What were you teaching? Uh, I, I was moving around. Moving around I did, yeah, I did history, English, math a little bit. Yeah. Is that something you'd want to do when you're not playing, or is that just that was just kind of to stay busy? Honestly, it was to stay busy at the time. Um, it was a way for me to make some money, you know, mm -hmm. on right, the side, and still be able to, you know, school gets out at three, so I'm still able okay. to train and work out. You know, if a, a workout was to come up, um, you know, stay ready. Um, so it gave me it gave me that flexibility to be able to do both. So what? is different about you now than 16, 17, even 18 when you're fighting to get a chance and just couldn't? Uh, just more, in terms of football, just more experience, you know, game game experience, uh, being able to go through and experience, you know, different uh, situations throughout the game. Um, I would say that as a player that I would say that that was, that's my biggest difference. And then, you know, just the outlook. 
outlook. You know, you get into the league and you think it's one way. Uh, you get in, you find out it's something different, and, you know, you just find a way to approach it day to day. But you're an electric returner. I mean, I'm telling you, like, early in this season, like, yeah. the first time you turn a kick, like, this guy's going to return one for a touchdown mm-hmm. sooner or later. And, right. and people listening to me, I'm, I'm <laughs> honest to God, I, I've been saying that. And yeah. every, a lot of people have been saying that. Right. So I'm just wondering, like, how wasn't somebody – I mean, I know you've had a chance before, but, mm-hmm. like, did you get quicker? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. there's, like there, – you seem like you would have been – Yeah, no, I, I wouldn't say – I got, you know, I mean, we work out every offseason, right. obviously, you're trying to get bigger, stronger, faster. Um, but it, it, it's it's very hard to score touchdowns, and, you know, but especially just to be in a, a good returner. You, to you be, have the skills to be there. Right, right. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult to, you know, to get everybody on the same page, sure. on the right play, hit it right. You know, sometimes I might miss a read, you know what I mean? So. Um, it's definitely it's difficult to get everybody on the same page. You know that's why you see so few of them. You know year sure. in and year out. Um, so I was I wouldn't say I got any you know faster or, or quicker or anything like that. Just right right time. But, but more so like from your ability to stick with a team. Like mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. Like yeah. it just seems like those skills had to have been there. So what yeah. were te- what were do you, when you look back? Was there something that they were missing in, in you or what what kept leading to that? I think I think a lot of guys you know, who end up getting cut or don't stick with a team for a while. Um, a lot of it has to do with the amount of opportunities they do or don't get. Um, but also, you know, looking back, you know, I, I've improved as a player, obviously. Um, you know, earlier earlier in my career, my um, receiver, my returner, I had a lot to learn. I had a lot sure. to get better at, you know. And, you know, I took that upon myself to, you know, in the offseason, make sure I'm perfecting my craft and working at it every day. Uh, so when I do get those opportunities, I'm able to take advantage of them. Um, and when I, I got to Philadelphia in 18 during training camp, uh, kind of it all came together for the first time for me and, uh, you know, been able to been on squad ever since. Where are you better as a returner now? Where am I better yeah, like as a returner? Where, where, how are you better as a returner now? Uh, yeah, I think it's just like patience and patience okay. and vision. I think a lot of returns you get back there and you want to hit the hole so fast. Um, but sometimes it's, there's a lot of benefit in, in tempo in it and seeing the hole uh, as opposed to just going to hit the first one you see so, so sometimes. And how, you know, when you when you were watching film of yourself, and the, the, just the return, because like you said, it's not just you doing it. They've yeah. got a block. Mm-hmm. But did you guys feel you were close to one? Yeah, we've been close. We've been close, you know, in previous weeks. Uh, you know, we talked about it in the meeting room, you know, week to week. Um, but that return that, we, you know, we got against Atlanta, everybody did their job. Uh, and, and incredible block, and John Bates had an yeah. a, a unbelievable block yeah. on their return. Um, the Shazer Everett uh, had a, you know, we called it take a turn, took a turn and shielded another guy. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it all came together. Those guys did an incredible job to make that happen. And then, you know, that obviously is going to always have to be the case when, mm-hmm. when that happens. Um, when do you know you have the touchdown? Like, at what point? There's got to be a point you see, all you see is daylight. Yeah, yeah, For me, uh, I made a cut and I looked up and it was just the kicker left. Probably about the <laughs> 25, 30 yard line, uh, and it was just a kicker left. Um, and that's my job. You got to make the kicker miss. So when, you know when it's you that on was the, a, that was a <laughs> when it's you and the kicker, uh, you, kinda, you, you, have, you, you think have you got to, a shot right there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you have to know like this guy's yeah, not getting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, after the game, what was it like? Did, did you have anybody there watching? Buddy? Yeah, my dad actually. Okay, my, cool. You know, my dad actually got to go out there and uh, be there, which is I mean obviously great. Him being able to, him what being able to be like? in the stands to see my first touchdown, uh, it was incredible. It was great. Um, great family great family you know 
experience for everybody, my dad, my people back home. You know, it was it was big for all of us. Um, I'm extremely excited that my dad was able to be out there and see it. One of the knocks on you before was the ball security. Yeah. What has been better for you there? What are you doing differently there to protect? Uh, I think it's just being more conscious of it. Okay. Um, a lot of time. I mean, a lot of times at returner, um, you're gonna get hit. You know, of you, obviously you're gonna get hit um, from all angles. You can't necessarily always see everybody. So it's just making sure you're high okay. and tight, high and tight with the ball at all times. You know, regardless of you know the situation. You also may get a chance more receiver. You did after the, some injuries the other day. Yeah. And, you can play that slot, and you got some. You feel like it looks like you can add something out there. Yeah. How are you better as a receiver now for this? You know, if you get more of an opportunity Sunday, mm -hmm. where are you better? That you say I can make more of an impact because I'm better here. Uh, I mean now is I mean I've been in the league for a while, so there's not a lot of defenses or schemes mm -hmm. that I haven't seen before. Um, so you know, knowing knowing what the defense is trying to do to you, and then you know, being here where Week, week five now, been here in this offense for a while, so understanding, getting the grasp of the entire offense and knowing what we're trying to get accomplished on every play. Um, and then, you know, winning my individual matchups, obviously, uh, separating at the top of routes and things like that. Um, I feel, you know, 100% confidence in my ability. You know, if the coaches need me to be out there, if I get a chance to be out there, I receive on Sunday. Uh, a lot of confidence in my ability to go out there and make plays. And I would imagine, like, if they can get into an open field situation with you, it's just mm -hmm. like it turns into almost like a kickoff return, yeah. right? Yeah, definitely. Uh, get the ball, you know, and get the ball in my hands or, you know, any electric player's hands and get in the open field and uh, exciting things happen. All right, last thing, what are you doing with the – I assume you kept that ball. Yeah. So what are you doing with it? Uh, I'll probably frame it, put it I – I got a man cave trophy room in my house so cool uh put it in there that'll be one of the bigger ones i assume yes sir cool awesome thanks man thank you appreciate it appreciate you after this break i'll be back with espn's mike triplett as we preview the saints where are they vulnerable welcome back now here's my conversation with espn's mike triplett all right mike well life after drew Brees. what what has that been like for you and the Saints. Well, what's yeah, what's really interesting for the Saints offense, John, is um this is a new one for me, and I've covered Sean Payton ever since he first arrived in two thousand six. He was getting hammered on uh on social media this week for being too conservative. The words you've never heard uh surrounded <laughs> surrounding Sean Payton before. Um but that has been the approach this year. And, and, and I don't know that it's a permanent approach, but it worked really well when they went and, and stunned the Green Bay Packers in week one, beat them 38-3 to with two 15-play drives early wow. in the game, decided the game plan was run the ball, control the clock, win the turnover battle, win time of possession. Uh, week three, they did the same thing at New England, a team that likes to run the ball and do those same things. And for three quarters against the New York Giants this past Sunday, they were doing that too. The only thing was against the Giants, there was this uneasy feeling the whole game that the offense just wasn't doing enough. I mean, they didn't score their first touchdown until right before halftime. They were only leading 21-10 in the fourth quarter. And sure enough, it blows up in their face when, when this defense that has been tremendous uh, finally, you know, finally broke down and, and let the Giants come back 
from 11 points down with seven minutes to go force overtime and win. And now it's, he doesn't trust Jameis Winston. He won't open up the offense. He doesn't throw it. He's running too much. 39 rushing attempts, Alvin Kamara career high, 26 rushing attempts. And it's like, well, that formula almost got them to three and one uh, with a, with a team that is missing a lot of key pieces, missing Michael Thomas, missing two starting offensive linemen. But that I guess you're walking a tightrope if you try to win if you try to win games 21 13 and the other team scores a couple touchdowns it, it blows up in your face so I, I still don't think they know completely what they are but I think it's evident they don't want Jameis Winston to be they don't want to win or lose based on Jameis Winston and not just Jameis Winston they they, they might have the most questionable wide receiver and tight end talent in the league right now, too, until Michael Thomas comes back. They let Emmanuel Sanders go. They've got really little experience at all those positions. So the passing game is the biggest question mark uh, on this team right now. And, you know, at some point I know we're going to see games. It might be this week in, in Washington where they have to score more points and it's more back and forth. And Jameis Winston might throw for 300-plus yards, and he's capable of doing that. Um, but But so far – their, their approach was, you know, a little different than what we're used to in years past. And I think they're still trying to figure out exactly what they want that approach to be. And how much with Jameis, you brought the trust thing. And I, you know, obviously that's out there, but he is a guy that threw a lot of picks in Tampa. How much of this is just kind of not putting the pressure on, and not only say trust, but, but making sure that the pressure is on him to go make plays all the time. Right. And, and, you know, not a lack of trust necessarily, but just a smarter brand of football. I mean, Sean Payton said it this summer. He said, you know, when when Winston obviously famously threw 30 interceptions a, a couple of years ago, he said, you know, I'm not going to allow him to do that. Our system's not going to allow him to do that. Meaning, meaning, not meaning he's only going to throw 15 passes a game, but meaning they're just not going to put him into a position where he has to throw desperation passes. His only two interceptions of the season came in week two when they were down by a lot in Carolina and they were kind of desperate deep balls. Um, they, they don't want to be in that position in games. They want to be competitive in games. They want to punt when punting is the right move. They want to run when running is the right move. And then they'll take their shots with Jameis Winston when that's the right move. He already has a 55 yard completion, a 58 yard completion and, a, and almost a 46 yard touchdown pass in this last game that was called back by a holding penalty. They like those shots. Plays. They're not afraid to take, though, to live and die by its passing offense because the run game and the offensive line is a real strength. The defense is a real strength, and they're going to use those assets. Well, and I will say this, Mike, because like when this team gives up big shot plays, and it's often because one of the defensive backs blows the coverage, so those shots will be available. And I think if you're if they're running well, I'm going to guess there's going to be a couple of deep play action um, balls from Jameis. For sure, for sure, that is a big that 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 that's that's what they want this to be. They want the best of both worlds, and I think they can have it with this team. Um, I, I don't fully agree with the they are too conservative because you don't envision this defense, especially. Uh, I mean, I was writing about the defense a lot in recent weeks. Oh, from week four of last season to week four of this season, they were the number one defense in the NFL in points wow. allowed and number two in yards allowed. This was a very stunning breakdown by the defense against the Giants that that nobody could have seen coming. When you're leading by 11 in the fourth quarter, you would like to think you had the correct game plan. Right. <laughs> it was only after the fact that everybody was like, oh, the game plan was obviously the wrong one. Well, what happened that, that it broke down like that? Because – I mean, and Daniel Jones ends up with some great numbers. What happened? Well, he had two 
one play touchdown drives in That'll this game. Kill it. Yeah, yeah. One came early where he got a 52 yard deep ball um, with John Ross, one of the fastest players right. in the league, against the Saints rookie cornerback Paulson Adebo, and, and the safety help didn't come over soon enough. And you know, it's funny. I mean, they made that their talking point all week. They said that's what the Giants' offense does. They're not a. They're not a. They're not what we've been talking about. They don't have 15 play drives. No, they they, don't. they 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 strike fast every once in a while, and they wanted to avoid that. They let that happen, and then sure enough, right after uh, uh, the Saints had to punt in the fourth quarter, um, Saquon Barkley got loose when they didn't think he was going to go deep, and he got behind their top corner, Marshawn Lattimore, and and just broke wide open for a. I think it was a 48 yard touch. I can't remember exactly what it was. 54. I think it was 54. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, and so those two right there, there's two of the touchdowns. And then the, the you know, the last two drives, uh, he they had three minutes to get down in field goal range to force overtime. They did that. They won the coin toss and, and got down and scored a touchdown. So it was just all of a sudden a, a spiraling over the last seven minutes of regulation and, and the first five minutes of overtime. Uh, probably gave up more yards and points in those three drives than they had <laughs> whole season wow. combined leading up to that. Yeah, because they I think did they give up like seven plays of twenty or more yards, which is yeah, staggering so, for so them. More in this game than they. It was more of like I think it was seventeen plus yards or whatever, but more yeah. in this game than they had in the first three weeks combined. And look, they're missing some pieces too. The the the, the Saints wanted to survive this first quarter of the season. I, I don't know if that was their actual mentality. That was that was my view of the Saints right. coming right. into this season. They are still missing eight projected Week One starters. Uh, because of injuries or suspension um, and and two of their best offensive linemen Michael Thomas as I mentioned Trey Smith right. their other receiver but then on defense defensive end Marcus Davenport defensive tackle David Onyemata um, they're they're missing uh, you know, their kicker Will Lutz which has made a big difference because they've missed three field goals in the last three weeks uh, so they're missing a lot of key pieces on this team that will only get better and better. And I'm curious to see if a couple of those guys come back this week, Quan Alexander, the linebacker being the other, um, they, they might get a couple bodies back on defense. That makes that unit even stronger this week. They've had the defense has been pretty good at causing turnovers too. Why is that? Well, they're just, yeah, I mean, it's just a great unit. Uh, I, we had a few question marks coming into this season because they lost a lot of talent, especially on the defensive line and free agency salary cap moves they had to right. make this year because the reduced cap, but in general, this front seven has just been awesome. And they still have some of the, the key players, including, you know, perennial all-pro Cameron Jordan at defensive end, Demario Davis at linebacker, like who is one of the best linebackers in the league, just an incredible player. Um, and then, obviously, you got a top corner in Marshawn Lattimore. you got a top safety in Marcus Williams. Stuck up Malcolm Jenkins back there, C.J. Gardner-Johnson at safety. They just got a lot of talent on that side of the ball, and, and they're really good at forcing punts. They're really good at forcing turnovers. And then they like, they also like to, Dennis Allen likes to call an aggressive game. What, yeah. Is, is that, is that, has that always been the staple? Or is it a little bit more? Oh, he, he learned from Greg Williams. So y'all yeah, know. That, that's, yeah, <laughs> well no, absolutely. And yeah. he's got a lot of Greg Williams elements in, in, in his defense still. He's, he's, he believes in a, you know, uh, putting the pressure on you. Um, he, this is not just a sit back and coverage defense. And then, you know, how is, I know and I'm going to ask, cause this is a, you went to Ohio State. Pete Werner coming back on board. I think last week was his first week, correct? Yeah. Uh, he no. He, he he. I think he came back a couple weeks ago. Okay. So he's only. This okay. was his second start. Okay. Second start. Okay. How has he looked? He's a guy that I like coming out, and I know that some people he, here liked him yeah. too as a second, third round guy. How has he been? 
Yeah, he's actually been really good. Uh, you know, he he missed the beginning of the season because he got injured at the end of uh, training camp. Um, but uh, I'm, time is, you know, already four weeks, and I can't keep track of time. I'm trying to think if he started three games or two games. But he stepped in seamlessly. And actually, even though the defense had those breakdowns we talked about, he had a really good game this past week. Um, and I think he's going to keep – Well, I mean, he won't keep that job permanently when Quan Alexander comes back, but he will remain – as part of a rotation there, they typically only use two linebackers in a game. Um, and, and last year, you know, Quan Alexander was really a, a passing down specialist. So I think Pete Werner has done enough to, to stay on the field on a lot of rundowns, a lot of base downs. Um, and, and he looks like that, you know, early indications are that's going to be a good draft pick for them. And then also going back to, to Kamara, how do you think he can hold up with that kind of a workload? I, I think that's a huge question mark, John. Um, Look, the the same and look, other other running backs have done the huge workload. I mean, Christian McCaffrey is the guy that Kamara is always compared to because they they came out at the same time. Their games are similar, and and Carolina has has used uh, McCaffrey in like ninety percent of their uh, offensive plays throughout his career. It's not impossible to do that. Obviously, he had an injury last year, but he held up pretty well before that. But the Saints have believed in a pitch count. They've used that term pitch count for Alvin Kamara in past years. They had Mark Ingram for a while, and when they let Mark Ingram go, they signed Latavius Murray. They they believe in keeping Kamara fresh for the long haul of the season. But this year, the offense needs him so badly. Um, the receivers are a question mark. The tight ends are a question mark. His backup running back, Tony Jones Jr., got hurt early in this last game. So he went from a career-high 24 carries in week three to a career-high 26 carries in week four. Um, and, I mean, I think until they get some reinforcements back, they're, they're doing what they have to do to survive, and that's giving the ball to Alvin Kamara all the time. So three more topics here. First one, offensive weaknesses. Where would you say, like, if a team's going to attack them, what should they do? Well, unfortunately, um, you know, the offensive line used to be the strength. And actually this offseason when everybody was like, oh, the Saints are done now. Look at all the players they lost. I kept writing. I still think they're a playoff team mainly because of their offensive line. But they are probably going to be without left tackle Teron Armstead, one of the best in the NFL this week. And we'll see if center Eric McCoy comes back. Um, they've struggled a little up, up the middle the last few weeks because they've been missing Eric McCoy at center. So uh, an offensive line you normally can't attack has been pretty vulnerable in recent yeah. weeks because of those injuries. And then the other thing is, is you know, you know, daring the Saints to pass the ball on you because, you know, we like some of the things that their number one receiver for now, Marquez Calloway, has done, but he's just not getting open routinely. The two and three and four receivers are, you know, Deontay Harris, uh, Chris Hogan, Ty Montgomery, uh, Kenny Stills, you know, um, they're tight ends, Jawan Johnson and Adam Troutman. You know, none of these guys, none of these guys are are flirting with heavy volume uh, uh, threats. And, you know, if you force the Saints to pass on you, you're really putting that to the test, whether those guys can deliver. I agree. And defensively, and I know you, you talk about the big plays with the Giants, but what, where would be a weakness there? Well, we thought all offseason that the biggest weakness on this team was going to be their number two cornerback spot after they let Janoris Jenkins go in free right. agency. And the Saints openly admitted they thought that was going to be their biggest weakness. Um, so, you know, they drafted Paulson Adebo out of Stanford in the third round. They made the trade in week one for Bradley Roby. Um, 
with the Houston Texans. And then Adebo surprisingly played really, really well in, in the preseason and the first three games and, and held on to that job ahead of Bradley Roby, even though they made a big trade to get him. But it was just in this game against the Giants where for the first time um, Adebo had some breakdowns and they got some big plays against him. Uh, so I do kind of wonder if they will consider making the change after after just one poor showing by Adebo, or, or not even a poor showing, but some struggles by Adebo. Uh, so I wonder if they'll switch to Bradley Roby this week. Uh, but that you know, either way, I think that number two cornerback spot is is where the where Washington will take its shots. And then the last thing, just so people know, probably once a week or every other week, I'm getting an email from Mike about fantasy football. He does a great job with that. I know that's a big thing for you. So tell people when, you know, what your, what your role with fantasy football is for us, when they can read your fantasy information. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously ESPN as, you know, a loaded fantasy football team, but sort of what you're doing with this podcast. So you bring on the, uh, the other NFL nation reporters is a good reminder that we've got someone stationed in every city who, you know, who, who know these teams back and forth. I've been doing that you know, with, with a fantasy column, uh, every Tuesday, it's up, um, it's, it's up this week already, um, for, uh, uh, on the fantasy page, but where, where, you know, you go to the source, go to the team reporters and ask about things like, you know, <laughs> one of the questions this week is, well, you know, is Alvin Kamara just a running back now? Is he ever going to catch a pass again? Uh, you know, <laughs> questions like that. I ask you about Antonio Gibson's role every two yes, weeks. So, every, yeah. um, um, you know, as, as that keeps being defined. So, and we do that twice a week, actually. We have another one that comes out on Saturdays where all of us are answering fantasy right. questions. I just think it's a great reminder for people that go to the source. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it, that because it is, it is going to people who know, what to expect and you know nobody's ever can forecast everything always right but you have at least insight and that's what you bring so people need to go check that out too so mike thanks a lot for coming on appreciate the insight and we will see you on sunday yeah anytime looking forward to it that's it for this episode thanks to deandre and mike for joining me and thank you as always for listening i know you have other choices when it comes to podcasts i appreciate you choosing mine I'll be back with another episode after Sunday's game. Talk to you next time.